Thanks for listening to this News Talk 106 to 108 podcast. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie. Yeah, it's time for football with John Giles. Keep your tweets coming into the show at Second Captains. John, thanks very much for coming into us this week. Good bit of Champions League. Celtic is the big storyline. Yeah. How big an achievement do you think it was to qualify for? That was a huge achievement, Don. I thought they did remarkably well to qualify for the first stage of the Champions League and to get out of the group. uh, I must be honest, I wouldn't have given them a prayer to start with. You know, the Barcelona uh, and the group that that they were in. You know, they've done brilliantly. And of course, the the win against Barcelona actually changed the whole whole uh, uh, group for them. That was the difference between them getting there and not getting there. You saw how close it was last night uh, with Benfica. So no, to do what they did, it's, it's a great achievement. Really is. They faced a different kind of pressure last night. They couldn't go in with the underdog tag, the siege mentality. They had to actually go and do it. They very nearly didn't get it done. But does any of that matter now? Well, it doesn't matter once you do it. Uh, I mean, if, if 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 before this group stage started, you would have said, look, if Celtic get through, whatever way they do it, uh, it's going to be good. But you're right, against Barcelona, they had to defend. So there was all players back. And there's there's two things in football. Well, there's a lot of things in football. But when you're playing at home, uh, uh, sometimes it's more difficult uh, than playing away from home. Because away from, in Barcelona, there's only one thing they could do, which was to defend. And Barcelona were going to have the ball. And they had to be disciplined and defensive. When you're playing at home like they had last night, the emphasis then is getting on the ball and using it, uh, which is and, and in many ways a lot more difficult to do then haven't did defend against Barcelona because they did it so well. So getting on the ball and using it and being construct, uh, constructive and inventive and creative, they didn't have that. Yeah, they didn't have that. They don't. They don't have it, Celtic. So they had to. Like it was, it was more guts last night, and I think they wanted it more. When you say they don't have it, how do you rate them in terms of the quality player for player? Are there any guys in there who look to you uh, like they are in a team who are? heading towards the knockout stages of the Champions League because it seems very surprising to me that this squad of players has done so well. Well, there's different ways you do it. Um, we saw against Barcelona it was it was discipline and, and guts um, and, and indeed against all the other teams. There was never any shortage of effort from uh, the, the Celtic players mm-hmm. no matter who they played and the discipline against Barcelona home and away was, was absolutely brilliant. Uh, now you get you, you get you come against the Russian team last night, who were weren't in it. They were out. They were out of the group, and I think it was just the perseverance really with Celtic that did it. It wasn't the class. I mean, they don't have the really class players. They've got some good players uh, like Commons and Hooper and uh, Brown when he's fit are good players, but they wouldn't be up up into the the class of you know some of the top. European clubs or even the Celtic of say 10 years ago people talk about Martin O'Neill Celtic and they talk about Larson Sutton they were better players I think they had better players I think they had better selection of players and as we know like the Scottish the, 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 the players or the teams in Scotland have gone down rather than up because yeah. of all the financial restraints and, and the various things that, that go with that oh, they can't afford to have the, the best players but that's why it was great for them if, in the financial um, the financial aspect of it was huge last night because at the start of the season they had to sell one of the players, yeah. you know. And Lennon said he won't. It was five million. We won't get that money now to buy players. They had to sell players. Whereas with getting the money they're getting from this, first of all, they don't have to sell the best players, and secondly, they can actually improve their squad to be have a better chance in the Champions League next year. So it's it's huge for Celtic. How much credit are you giving to Neil Lennon for this? Oh, well, you have to give him full full credit. Um, 
I, I, he certainly looks like he's calmed down a lot. On you know now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been his biggest fan two years ago when all this trouble was going on with the Rangers and Celtic, and he was fighting with me, uh, McCoyst and people like that. You know, I thought he'd gone down to the fans after the match or taunting the Rangers fans. I mean, this is manager of Celtic, where you have to behave. Uh, well, you have, no matter where you are, you have to, be, to behave well. Uh, I mean, if you look at Walter Smith for 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 instance, over the years, I mean, he was behaviour was brilliant as Rangers manager. Never taunted the Celtic fans and that, and like it was looked as if Neil Lennon had just become a player. <laughs> you know, he was, he was just like a substitute. He was behaving like a player yeah. would behave, and that's and that's not always right either. So I think he got a, he's, he's got a grip of himself, and and in the last this season, you know, I think his he's, he's, uh, behaviour after the match, uh, before the match was has been much more mature. Has he matured, or is it just simply that Rangers aren't there to wind him no, up? I think he's matured. I think I think he has matured. You know, he's he's very young for a manager coming into it, coming from a player which is a certain mentality straight into management at, at a big club. I mean, he hasn't been to a small club and then stepped up to Celtic. Uh, he's gone straight in there. So no, I think he has learned, and I think it, it's more maturity there. Is it very, is it easy to quantify what exactly a manager brings? Because we talk about quite a limited group of players there who've come through a group that contained Barcelona, contained two other pretty good teams. Yeah, we don't necessarily know what happens behind the scenes, but you're saying you have to give full credit to him just by dint of the fact that uh, logically he must be doing something right. Yeah, well, well, I'll tell you what happens. Oh, if a manager's not not uh, doing his job properly or not doing it well, it manifests itself on the pitch, right? So what you'll see on the pitch is false and lack of effort and lack of this and that. Well, we haven't seen that with Celtic, which means he's done that job. That's the only way you can judge it. You know, you can always judge a manager on the field with his team by what they're not doing. You know, now you, you, and against Barcelona, his discipline and all the various things we spoke about before were there. So he has to take credit for that because he's leading the team. It doesn't happen by accident. Now, if he's a bad manager and he's not doing his job, there'd be a shambles, mm. and you get beaten six nil. You know, that didn't happen. So, like, whatever, he obviously seems to have a good relationship with the players. Uh, he has them on his side, as they say. And, and if you talk about now, say, Benitez going to Chelsea, that's not the case, certainly not yet. Mancini doesn't seem to be the case at uh, Manchester City. So that's huge to get the players, you know, doing what you want them to do and to follow you and to believe in you. Uh, you have to be doing something right. Would you give them a chance in the short term of going around further? It might depend on the draw, but would they, do no, they strike you? Draw, I think. Yeah, you can't really say it until you know who they're playing. No, and, and then I think whatever, I mean... I, I didn't think they'd qualify from the group. I didn't think they'd get into this particular stage. And I think if you look on paper, I'd say nearly all the teams that they could be drawn against would be better than them. Mm. But, you know, they've done it so far and, and at least they're in the playoff stages. But they, they, they would, I think they'd be second favourites against any team they, they draw. Longer term, with Rangers not in the league at the moment, does that add to the significance of what they've done? It, because Celtic have when Rangers are going through all their troubles Celtic were very clear in saying look we don't depend on Rangers when a lot of us looking at it were thinking well you kind of do yeah. uh, certainly in, in domestic terms can they actually have they shown with this run in Europe that they can survive and thrive without Rangers well it's, it's amazing really because when they've come from the European uh, the, the, the European um, uh, games they've had bad results <laughs> in, in, the, uh, in the domestic league uh, and I think that goes you see a lot of it is, is, is this idea of the mentality uh, you know the mental approach like I think before the season started with Rangers out of it everybody thought well Celtic going to have to turn up and they'll win the league by 20 points and the players might believe that as well yeah. and so when they, they're playing in the Champions League uh, for example they know they have to do this and they have to do that 
when they're playing was it Arbroath last week yeah I think that was it they yeah. struggled yeah. you know I think well, we're only playing Arbroath and Arbroath then have the the advantage of being the underdogs and raising the game I think Celtic eventually will come out on top mm. uh, in it but but it, it, it's like it's getting your mind right for it you know for the big you see there's a lot of fear factor in football which makes you play well I, I mean I experienced it when you're playing against say in the old days we played against Barcelona or something in one of the European competitions you knew these were a good team so there's a fear factor where it actually gets you gets the adrenaline going in that and if you're playing a uh, Mickey Mouse team, what's regarded as Mickey Mouse team, you don't have that fear. So therefore, you're not up for it as much. So that's all part of it. And I think that's part of why they suffer a bit in the domestic league. You know, they go and play, and after getting a great result last night, I don't know who they play on Saturday or Sunday, but it could be that they'll be up for it, that team, whoever they play. And they might, Celtic lads might think, well, maybe a bit of a stroll, you know. John, what about Chelsea and specifically Rafael Benitez? There's not much he could have done about their Champions League run to this stage. The fact that they had a fairly handy victory essay with a load of goals, will that uh, ingratiate him with the supporters, do you think? I don't think it'll make much difference. I mean, obviously, it's much better winning than, than losing. I mean, if he'd <laughs> lost last night, he'd get, he'd get a dreadful stick. And it came at the right time for him. You know, that the team they were playing, I think they were one of the, one of the weakest teams in it. Torres scored two goals. So it gets, it gets the fans off his back for a short time you know it was a good win and that's all it, it mean, as you say he had no control over the, the Champions League results mm. up to last night he could only do what he did last night which was to win and win well but it, it was pretty insignificant I don't think it's uh, last night is going to turn the fans in his favour I mean the only thing that will turn his fans in his favour if, if he wins the next six or seven yeah. eight matches you know that type of thing and get into the maybe, maybe get into the Premiership race again and show that the team has actually improved Everybody was quite taken aback when he was appointed as the manager for Chelsea. But I know you're quite interested in the situation at a few of the English clubs now at the moment. That there could be, it's not only Chelsea where the madness might happen. There, yeah. there could be quite a few changes over the next year or so. Yeah, well, well what, what, what's different, uh, what's amazing about football, every year is different, um, you know. And there's always madness, you know. There's, not, there's only very few clubs who are actually run properly. The rest is madness. <laughs> I mean, Manchester City, there's a form of madness there. Chelsea does a form of madness. Uh, you know, Manchester United are the only ones, like with Ferguson over the last, what, 25 years, that's done the job uh, as, as well as it can be done. And there has been, there's been very little madness coming out of Old Trafford. So, you know, you've got the, the Chelsea situation, uh, two big clubs, the Manchester situation, Liverpool still has to be sorted out. Arsenal might come into it by the end of the season. So it, and it's a merry-go-round of managers as well. So what's going to be fascinating, I think, towards the end of the season is if Ferguson retires, for example, which, which is a possibility, if they win the league, he might say, well, that's it now. Yeah. Man- Mancini could be under pressure by the end of the season. Uh, it, I think it's common knowledge now. Abramovich wants Guardiola at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So where are these two? If, if, if Mourinho looks like he could be leaving... Madrid. Yeah, the, all the soundings are that he is going to. Be he's going to go on. So, does, do, would, would he go to Old Trafford? Yeah. Would he go to Manchester City? Would Guardiola go to Chelsea? Would he go to? Is he made for Old Trafford? You know, it's, it'll be fascinating to see what happens. Uh, you know, in Guardiola's case, I mean, he's been a great manager at Barcelona, but it's the only job he's done. And uh, you know, everybody's judging him by Barcelona, which is the only way he can judge him. But these players. We're coming through the academy with Xavi and Messi and Iniesta, these great players, and he ma- he didn't make the most of them. But if you went if you went to Chelsea, for example, he's got a big job, a long job to do to get them the type of players that Barcelona have, and he might never be able to do it. 
I think I think the best bet for the, for the teams would be, would be the person I would dislike the most on, on a personal level down would be Mourinho. Like Mourinho has done the job in all the clubs he's gone to without having the benefit of a legacy of Barcelona, yeah, Porto, Inter Milan, Chelsea, uh, Madrid. You know, like he's won the Champions League with three different clubs, I think, and won in the the leagues and, and the various things. He's, I mean, if if if, if it was my club. Manchester City or Chelsea or Manchester United I'd go for Mourinho Is the argument against Mourinho that he doesn't leave a legacy that he's only going to be there for maybe two at most three years You don't look any more than three years I mean if you could say to somebody at Chelsea now which Mourinho don't forget did you're going to win the league twice and you're going to win a cup maybe a cup and win five trophies like you did they say I don't care care what he's going to do after, (laughs) after three years you know, that's 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 the job. I mean, Ferguson has been exceptional in doing that. But I think if if you asked any any if I were the owner of Manchester City, and somebody said this fellow's going to win your trophies for the next three years, and then you're going to fall out with him, I'd say okay, we'll we'll, we'll take a chance on that. Yeah. But he has done it. You know, he, I don't like his behaviour most of the time. <clears throat> I think he's been very very badly behaved at times. But the jobs that he's done has been has been good. And uh, like Guardiola, as I say, he's he's done it once, and he's done it at Barcelona and done it brilliantly. But there aren't many Barcelonas. There are more um, Real Madrids out there and Manchester Cities and Inter Milan's where Mourinho has actually done the job than a Barcelona in Guardiola's case. Now, he might be the perfect fit, might be the perfect fit for Old Trafford if Ferguson goes. That, de- that depends on a lot of things. Do you like what Guardiola's doing at the moment? He's over, apparently living in New York with his family there. He yeah. promised that he'd take a break for a season I'm pretty sure that Rambich has tried to lure him back and lots of others have probably tried as well. Do you like that he's sticking to his guns and taking time out? Um, well, I would admire him to do, for doing what he wants to do, Owen. But I'm not so sure uh, it's great in football sense. Really? Yeah. Because where, who of the other great managers have you known that's not dedicated, fanatical, and never taking a break? Mm. Ferguson never took a break. Mm. I mean, he's 70-odd now, and I still don't think he'll take a break. You haven't heard Mourinho taking a break. These guys have been successful, don't forget. All the great managers of now, years ago, probably they had to work. But Shankly, when Shankly was 60-odd, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, I, think, I think it broke his heart, the fact that he, he finished at that time. That would be my theory on it. So these guys, like all these great managers, have, they're, they're, they're fanatics, absolute fanatics. I mean, you see Ferguson now. Ferguson will go down to Bournemouth, and you'll see him at a match watching in like a third of a fourth division player after all that he's done it's like no matter what they've done uh, doesn't count for anything they still have to, they're, they're driven uh, I think Mourinho's driven I think Benitez is driven but can you be driven and see it as part of your overall plan to no, just take a season off I don't, I don't think just so, so you don't get eaten by a very pressurised job yeah, but they don't get eaten by it that's the thing that's what, that's what I find if Guardiola feels well he needs a break I mean a break from Barcelona winning the Champions League or favourites to win it again having built that team uh, let's put it this way have you ever known anybody do it before? Possibly not after achieving I, I, I'm thinking it likes if Benitez went around apparently to a load of different man- man- that's still work I guess he was yeah, learning from different managers yeah this is even in his you earlier know, days yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, like, but, but, he, but he didn't give up on it no you know and, and, and I mean I'd rather say he didn't want to leave, leave Liverpool mm. but I've never known a successful manager look at Ferguson I mean Ferguson has done as much as, as Guardiola. You know, he's won the Champions League twice over a period of 20, 25, 26 years. And you still don't hear him saying, oh, I need a break, ever. Mm. Because they love it. 
the fanatics about it. And this is what I would doubt. Like, I, I think with managers, what I describe them as, they can't be too human. You, you can't be too normal. Mm-hmm. You have to be abnormal to be a successful manager. It has to mean that much to you. Yeah. It hasn't mean much to go to Fergie at his stage, to go down, say, I say Bournemouth or Southend, to look at a player. You know, mm. even whatever he's done, because he might be missing something. He might be, you know, you never know what he's missing. And they're all, Moyes has it at, uh, at, at Chelsea. You know, like you can see it, it's in him. He'd go anywhere. And he's been doing it for 10 years. So these guys don't lose, they don't lose that. And I've never known any of say, well, you know, I'm normal enough to take a year out. I mean, what do you do with that year out? Do you come back refreshed? These guys don't get tired. And, and that's what I would think, like, if he comes back, is he going to have that fanaticism? that Ferguson and Mourinho has to do the job from scratch again. Mm. You know? I, yeah. I, I doubt it. New York, I, yeah. I doubt it, you know? New York's That's why a, I go for Mourinho. Yeah. New York's a nice place, I'd say, if you have the money, though. Like well, any place is a nice place. If, if, the, if, you, if you feel that you need a break from football, and this is Barcelona where they're winning everything and they're a great team and all these great players, on, and you've, you're, you're giving it up because you need a break, it means either the pressure's getting to you, something's getting to you in some way. Well, it's very hard to get rid of that. In other words, you know as a manager, Guardiola knows, if he comes back to Chelsea or Manchester United or Manchester City, he's going to be back into that pressure again. Mm. Is he want, does he want to do it? You know, that was never a question with Ferguson or Shankly, or, uh, Bill Nicholson or Don Reavy. These, these guys were fanatics. Be there every day of the week, you know? All right, John, we're just going to take a quick break at the moment, after which we'll be chatting about the Manchester Derby this weekend. Thanks for listening to this News Talk 106 to 108 podcast. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie. John, I want to talk to you about the Manchester Derby. City, of course, knocked out of Europe. In fact, they've been knocked out entirely. No Europa League football. I'm not sure if the City fans are going to be too bothered about that. Is it a good thing, maybe, that they're going to be able to concentrate in the league? Well, I think uh, to, to, to help them win the league, it's a good thing. But overall, it's not a good thing. I mean, you can get consolation from anything. I think City should be making an effort. I should be making a, r- a real go at winning the Champions League. You know, they won the, the Champions of England. They spent a lot of money. They sh- I think they should be at a stage now where they're really challenging for Mancini it. always says, we're not ready, we're inexperienced in the Champions that's, League. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. I mean, look at the, all the players. If you take the players individually, they're nearly all top international players. I've certainly played for the country a lot. There's, and I, I said to you before, and I mean, <laughs> there's not that much difference playing in Europe. It's a game of football. You know, and, and what's so different about it? Yeah, Borussia Dortmund did okay and they haven't played that much in it either. No. Well, I can only go on my own experience. I've gone back to my days at Leeds and I'd played in friendly matches at Manchester United with Manchester before I went to Leeds and Europe. Never found that much different. First year, we were a very inexperienced team and we qualified for what was then the the first cup, which in those days, we had to win the, the league to be to, to play in the, champ, uh, the Champions League. So the second and third and fourth teams got into it was a very very difficult cup to win it wasn't a Mickey Mouse it wasn't like the Europa Cup uh, and we were an experienced team and we qualified in 60, uh, 60 65 60 or 64 65 season and we got to the semi-finals right yeah so the following season we got to the final yeah and the following season we won it you know now I'm not saying that but with, and it wasn't an experience but we didn't find that much different I certainly didn't mind it was a game of football you pass the ball you score goals you defend you have to do all the things of course there are different, little small things because Spanish teams play in a slightly different way but not ultimately anything that matters you still have to control the ball and pass it yeah, you can so imagine. I don't go the mass, the, that you have to play in Europe for a few years before you get used to 
to winning it, yeah. as it were. Well, whether Mancini is around to have another go at it remains to be seen. Uh, worried, worried to lose at the weekend. And yeah, might well, help well, it's a big one at the weekend, Don, and, and it's very hard to call it, you know, because City are not playing particularly well, although they're unbeaten in, in the Premiership. United have lost more goals than they've ever lost before, and they're still top of the league. Yeah. So um, the way I would base it on a match like this, I would, I would back the team that defends the best in that. And that's probably City at the moment. Yeah, well, it's funny. Manchester United's record, they've, uh, I'm not going to go too deeply into it in terms of goals conceded and scored, but just the very base, basics, 12 wins, three defeats, zero draws in 15 games. Is that a good sign or a bad sign that haven't drawn and, a match? And I think 11 of them to be behind. Yeah. So the, the, the stati- stats for that are unbelievable. I've never, see, they haven't solved the goalkeeper situation yet. Saw them against Reading. I don't know if you saw them last week. Like yeah. Corner kicks, free kicks. They were absolutely dreadful for Vidage, I think, has been the biggest loss they could have had. He was the one that could control the defence. He was the John Terry or the Jamie Carragher in his day at Liverpool who could attack the ball, get it away, actually defend and defend really well. I don't think they have anybody at the moment unless they bring Jones back into the team or Smalling who maybe, maybe do it. The young lads, I think they will be good defenders. But I think between Ferdinand and Johnny Evans and the goalkeeper, if they're playing on Sunday, they could be in, in serious trouble again. John, some of the texts coming into us. The first one here. John, Leo Messi picked up an injury for Barca last night. What is the point of him playing in these meaningless matches? Um, well, apparently he's very annoyed when he doesn't play in them. Oh, which is amazing, really, you know, because you think... Uh, and maybe the, 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 the goals uh, record might have been a factor. He only came on a sub, didn't he? Yeah. Last night. Um, and he's thinking trying to beat Muller's record. He needs a goal to equal in two. Whether that means a lot to him or not, I don't know. But certainly in other matches, we've read when Guardiola was there, he was annoyed when he didn't play in what we would regard as meaningless matches. But I think the manager, I mean, if I were the manager, I would say, no, you're not playing. And that's it. Because there's, there's no need for we it. We just don't need you here. It doesn't don't, matter don't to the team. Like there's, there's big matches coming up all, all through the season. And like you've always a chance of being injured and also a chance of being tired, you know? Yeah. So... Uh, apparently the injury is not too No, it's just bruising serious, around the knee, so he's which not, is not too bad. Doctor. But, you know, I wouldn't take, I mean, if I were a manager, I wouldn't take a chance on him in any of the matches, really. John, Messi is closing in on Muller's goal-scoring record. How would you compare the two players? Thanks from David and Dublin. Um, well, uh, I actually played against Muller. Um, and Muller was one of these small, stocky lads. Uh, very, very strong. Couldn't knock him and could, and could turn on the sixpence on you know, to get a shot. You know, he's facing away from goal. He could turn on it and get a shot in. Um, he, he was a bit like the, what was, oh, I can't think of his name now, the ladder played with um, Blackpool and, you know, the little fella uh. with Sunderland with Niall Quinn. Oh, Kevin Phillips. Kevin Phillips. If you, if you can picture Kevin Phillips, only much better. But that type <laughs> of stocky, good eye for a goal and very quick. You know, he was only a small guy. He'd be only about the same size. If he's bigger than me, he wasn't much. But really stocky, really strong, uh, so he could he could hold the defenders off low centre of gravities for turning and get I'm, I'm particular I'm very very quick at getting in it now but he would have depended on being in a good team to make those chances for him right and he was brilliant at finishing them off whereas Messi can go and do it on his own I mean I would pick Messi before uh, Muller yeah 
you know, but Muller in, in, in the German team, he was in a great team with Bayern Munich and the German team with Beckenbauer and all these guys, which were really and he could finish them off all right. But he wouldn't come deep like Messi, couldn't go past people like Messi. So I'd, I'd, I would put, I would put uh, Messi in front of him. John, there's very little said about Chris Hutton at the moment, but he's doing a great job. 12th in the Premier League, 19 points, which is the same as Liverpool. Is he a guy that's impressed you as a coach from Paul and Banelslow? Well, well, I don't know what he's done as a coach because you'd have to be there. But he's, he's been unbelievable, Chris. I mean, I played with Chris, and he, he was always a very quiet, uh, modest individual. Um, and it, when, he, when, he, when he went into management on, eventually, because he was a long time at Spurs as a number two, I mean, he was with about seven or eight managers at Spurs. And at that time, you, you, you usually show a bit of ambition to manage, and he didn't seem to show that type of ambition. So when he came into management, I didn't fancy him to do well. But in his own quiet, dignified way, He's done brilliantly, mm-hmm. absolutely brilliantly. Look at the way he was treated at Newcastle, for yeah. example. I mean, they, they were looked down and out. They went into the into the championship, championship and, they, yeah. and brought them up, and and got sacked. Not a word from him. Had him around my table when he got sacked Brilliant. as well. He wasn't you know, doing he's, he's done. I think he's. I, I like Chris. He's a lovely lad. Uh, but I didn't think if you if usually when you see a lad as number two for that many years, they usually don't want that bothered about doing the manager's job. Steve Clark is the same, but they've obviously learned as they've gone along and maybe those type of lads they think well I'm not cut out to be a manager thinking that there's more to management than, than there actually is so when they go into it they've, they've had their qualifications because they've, they've studied under these very successful I mean, Steve Clark was there with Mourinho Kenny Laglish different people uh, Chris was there with loads of loads of managers so yeah. they've learned as they've gone along and it's really good to see them they've been, they've been very dignified particularly Chris very very dignified in, in what he's done Mick and Finglas text in lads you were talking about Tony Dunn last night uh, what are Johnny's memories of him did he play alongside him at United as well as international yeah I knew Tony Tony very well I actually played schoolboy against Tony right. we were the same age he played for Finbars and I played with Stella Maris and funny enough when he was a schoolboy he wasn't outstanding yeah. no. he, he didn't get picked for the schoolboy international team uh, and like some lads, well, some lads are 15, they're wonder boys and they go out of it by the time they're 18. And some, like Tony, uh, when they were 15, by the time he was 18, he was playing for Shelbourne. And uh, they, bu- they bought him, uh, Manchester United bought him from Shelbourne as a, say, 18, 19 year old. Uh, and he was an immediate success. Tony was, Tony was probably, he was maybe the best, if not one, he was certainly one of the best, if not the best, fullbacks in what was now the Premiership for 10 years. Really, yeah? Yeah. He played in the team when they won won the European Cup. Uh, they won they won the championships. But like a lot of fullbacks, they don't get the the, the limelight. Now he he see he played with Best Law and Charlton, and all the headlines were always about Best Law and Charlton. And the likes of Shea Brennan, who was a, another good pal of mine, fullback, right back. Tony was left back. It didn't hardly got a mention. But Tony was a, was a, he was very he was a small lad uh, for a fullback. Uh, but very very quick uh, used the ball very simply Tony never tried to show off somebody was there he'd give it but very very quick lad good in the air for his size but Tony was one of the leading, certainly one of the leading fullbacks for at least 10 years yeah. in, in England it's impressive stuff John we're almost out of time but after 8 o'clock we're going to be talking about some of the best sports books this year and your own uh, The Great and The Good will feature among it not to give the game away completely okay. can I ask you I know people will be interested if you have any recommendations of not this year but of good sports books uh, one great sports book that you've read at some stage uh, the best, the best I think the best sports book I ever read uh, on was uh, called The Boys of Summer uh, it was an American 
book about the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah, Roger Kahn, I think. Roger Kahn was was yeah he was a schoolboy fan of the team, and the team broke up obviously, and they they actually moved out of New York. And what he did was he'd followed their lives uh, like twenty years, twenty five years after they finished playing because there wasn't any big money for them. The Jackie Robinson, who was the first black black player to play in a major baseball team and I found it fascinating that all these guys like you followed their lives and some were working on building sites some were made a few bobs some didn't and I thought I found that fascinating and uh, I really enjoyed that Because essentially we're not talking about even though they were high profile sports people they didn't make a lot of the time so they had to live a normal life oh, yeah. afterwards and that's well, what he did he went back and, and found out what did they do what in did the they do? 50 years yeah, after These were stars You know, it's a bit like the footballers in my day or before um, none of the players before my time and certainly even the ones during my time uh, made enough money from football to retire for life everybody had to do a job but the players bef- at least I played during the maximum wage was abolished but the players before my time Wilf Manning and Tommy Lawton Peter Doherty all these great players had to make a living and I know uh, Wilf Manning who was one of the great players worked in a warehouse and was lucky to get a job so the, the really hard times but you don't you don't hear much of that no. you only hear of the and these were players people who Wilf Manning for example played at Millsborough were drawing 50,000 people for home matches and that, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they had to make a living. They had to live after they finished playing football. And this is what this man, lad did with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Same principle, different sport. But he did that with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And I, I found it fascinating. Yeah, I read it myself. I thought, thought it was absolutely brilliant. So that's great. I'm sure people might have a look at that one. Your own book, John, you're doing a couple of signings coming up this weekend. Tomorrow night, you're in the book centre in Waterford at uh, half past six that's Friday and on Saturday one o'clock in the afternoon in Easton's in Cork oh, so it should yeah. be a good weekend yeah that's great thanks for that plug on not at all John <laughs> not at all best of luck with all that and thanks Thank for talking you. to thanks for listening to this Newstalk 106 to 108 podcast to download other programmes or for more information go to newstalk.ie